and this is the beginning of sanctity of life, uh, this time where we focus in on helping uh, Agape Women's Services as a, as a church. Um, they provide abortion alternatives and uh, free screenings and all types of things for women. And uh, we, wanna, we wanna encourage you. Uh, it's, not that, uh, it's not just that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, fought for you know, uh, one group of people. He really was fighting for all people. And uh, some of the most marginalized, I would say at this point in time, the most marginalized group of people in the world are the unborn. And uh, we need to be praying, believing God for our nation uh, to turn the tide of this horrific thing that happens on a daily basis and on a yearly basis by the millions. And uh, I believe we can do something about it. I believe, come on, I believe that prayer still works. I believe that prayer still works. But on top of that, we're, we act and we, and we do things. And so if you can come tomorrow, it'll be a celebration. Uh, be fun, be a time for unity in our community. And uh, ooh, how about that? Unity in our community. <laughs> Didn't even plan on that, but hey. Um, so if you have a Bible, again, we're gonna go to Romans chapter 12. I'd love to see you tomorrow. I'm gonna be there. Um, I'm not speaking or anything. I'm just going to go. So I'd love to see you. You can sit with, with me if you, if you see me. Romans chapter 12, verses one through two. The Bible says this. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Renewal, renewal, renewing of the mind, the repair of the mind. It's really, the Bible's teaching us that the mind is broken and God wants to repair your mind so that you can experience transformation in your life. How many of you in the room believe that God is a repairer of broken things? Come on, I'm living proof that he repairs the broken. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask over these next few moments that we would hear your word clearly, that we would know you better, get to know you uh, even more today, that we would go from glory to glory and strength to strength. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I'm sorry, this morning if I, if I talk really quiet or if I get too loud, I feel like I have headphones on this morning. My little boy has had the flu this week and uh, he's, he's so cute. They try to quarantine him, but I just go in and lay all over him and, and hug him and stuff. And so I don't know, maybe I've got a little bit of what he's got. I felt really good coming into this service because I felt like I broke a fever in the first service. So um, if I don't hug you or something today, please don't get offended if I try to fist bump you. I'm just trying to keep you, uh, keep you safe. So if, I'm, if I start yelling, just turn me down. <laughs> I get too loud or I can't hear it. Turn me up. I need help from the sound team this morning. Come on, can we just cheer the sound team on as they try to work with me today? <clears throat> I wanna go to Ezekiel 37 because I think Ezekiel 37 is a picture of what God wants to do with our minds. It's a picture of what God wants to do with our minds. The Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 37, I'm gonna read a few verses this morning. So verse one starts, it says, the hand of the Lord came upon me, Ezekiel said, and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around and behold, there were many, many in the open valley. 
And indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath on you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over, but there was still no breath in them. So he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and a breath came in them, and they lived and stood up on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come out from your graves, and I will bring you into the land of Israel, and then you shall know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves, and I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land, then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. I love this portion of scripture, dry bones coming to life. I think it's a picture of what God wants to do in our minds. I think it's a very clear picture because God doesn't take Ezekiel to this place physically. He takes him there in the spirit. This is actually a vision that he sees, a very powerful vision that he sees about the condition of the people of Israel. But I love this about God. He might show him the condition that they are in, but he only shows him where they are because he wants him to know, I'm not gonna leave them like this. Is there anybody in the room today thankful that God isn't gonna leave me like this? I wish you'd put your hands together right now and just bless him. That even though I might not look like a lot, God is not going to leave me like this. And I love the beginning of this story, Ezekiel 37. The Bible says, then God got a hold of him. God grabbed him by the spirit. The message translation says God grabbed him. There are just times in my life and seasons in my life where I'm just asking God, God, would you just take me by your hand? Would you just put your hand on my life? I, I don't know if you're in a situation right now and you're in the middle of something and you just need God to grab you in the middle of it. I need more than just a good church service. I need more than just a phone call from a friend. I need more than just a letter of encouragement. I need more than just someone to pat me on the back. I need the hand of God to grab me and take me to a place that I cannot get by myself. I wanna encourage you this morning. I wanna encourage you to open up your life to the activity of the Holy Spirit. I would encourage you not to be afraid of the Holy Spirit because of maybe the denomination you came from and what they taught you about the Holy Spirit. I would encourage you not to look at the Holy Spirit as some crazy uncle that just shows up and ruins a whole service and makes people fall on the floor and speak in tongues. That's not really even the intent or the final say of the Holy Spirit. These are manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Jesus literally sent the Holy Spirit, not for manifestations, but for relationship. He looked at his disciples and he said, hey, I've been walking around with you, but when he, the Holy Spirit comes, he's gonna live on the inside of you. And if I avoid and I ignore the power of the Holy Spirit in my life, then I avoid my transportation. 
It's how God gets me from where I am to where he wants me to go. Not just spiritually, but even physically. We see in the book of Acts that God took a man and he took him from one place and literally physically set him down in another place by his powerful and awesome hand. I still believe in a God who can do the miraculous, who can do supernatural things in my life by his spirit. I still believe in a God who says to me that it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. I still believe in a God who wants to disrupt our services with his presence, wants to disrupt my life with his spirit, wants to see me going one way and snatch me and bring me into another way. I just am thankful today that I'm not here by myself, but I have a vehicle. His name is the Holy Spirit, and he wants to take me places. He wants to take me places. <laughs> see here that he took Ezekiel in the spirit. He took him to a valley of dry Bones, as he's looking at these bones, these bones are dismembered, they're scattered. It's a picture of Israel. They're disgraced. And the reason they would be disgraced is because they weren't buried. There's, there's superstition around uh, the burial of a person. I had one person ask me one time, they said, do you think my loved one is in heaven? And I said, I said well, why would you, you ask that? They, they, were, they were a follower of Jesus. Well, they decided to be you know, cremated instead of buried. And I said, I said, well, what, what, where's that? And they've got this mindset, they've got this superstition that unless your bones are buried, then God is incapable of resurrecting you on the last day. And I'm like, if you believe in a God who can pull people out of a grave, then surely he can put some dust back together. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> I think it's so funny when Christians like who already believe crazy stuff get embarrassed about believing even more crazy stuff. It's like you believe that the Spirit of God impregnated a virgin and you can't believe that God could do that? Okay, that just makes no sense to me. It's like you're already crazy. You might as well just keep continuing on this path of I just believe that God can do anything. If God can come from heaven to earth through a virgin, then he can do absolutely anything. Absolutely anything. And so <laughs> they're dismembered, they're scattered, they're disgraced. Uh, they are dry. The Bible teaches us that these are dry bones. That means they've been bleached by the sun. There's really all hope is lost. Um, all hope is gone. And that's what uh, God said that the people of Israel were thinking. They're saying our hope is lost. Our, our strength is gone. We, we have nothing left. We our bones are so dry and our life is so dry that we've basically given up on experiencing anything in that area of our life. And there are parts of our mind that if they're not renewed, we'll just give up. We'll just, we'll just give in and be like, well, this is just how it's gonna be. That area of my life is so lost. That brokenness is, is so broken. That, that unhealthy desire is, is so bad. There's just no hope. I'm lost. I'm hopeless. And this is a terrible place to be. And I love it that God takes him to this valley and shows him these dry bones. Again, not to show him just the condition of the people of Israel, but how he's going to raise them up and bring them out. And I love the valley. I love the valley. If you look through scripture, the valley is, is an incredible place because so many victories, so many incredible victories were won in the valley. God's people often found themselves in low places and 
You know what's so amazing about a low place is on the mountaintop, you can see how big God is. You can look out and you can see the expanse. But in a valley, the only place you have to look is up. There's no, I mean, if you look to your right and to your left, all you see is mountain. You feel surrounded. But even though I feel surrounded by the mountains and maybe surrounded by my enemies, I know that in the valley, God is even with me there. See, in the, in the valley, I can't maybe sometimes see how big God is, but I can see how far his arm can reach. Is there anybody in the room thankful today that God's arm is not short? That there is no depth that you can go that his arm cannot reach today? The valley is so powerful because not only do great victories come in the valley, but honestly, the most fruitful place of your life is in the valley. The best fruit grows in the valley, not on the mountaintop. There's no place like the valley. There's no place as fruitful as the valley. And so many times I think as Christians, we try to escape the valley because we don't like it. But the valley is the place of our most fruitful existence. And so we spend so much of our lives trying to climb to the mountain and God is trying to pull us into the valley. We're trying to get out of our circumstances and get out of our situations and climb out of the terrible things that we're going through and the tragedies that hit our life and the heartbreak that hits our life and our brokenness. We're trying to claw ourselves out of it and God is pulling us right back into it because he's saying, that's where I'm gonna make you most fruitful. That's where I'm gonna get the greatest results out of your life. That's where you're gonna experience the most victory in your life. I love Psalm 23. Says this, it says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are beside me. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. All this is happening in the valley, not in the mountain. Not on the top, not at the pinnacle. All of this is happening in the valley. See, the the object is to not get out of the valley to get to the mountain so that he'll make a table. No, God makes the table for me right in the middle of the valley. He wants me to get to a point in my life where I can sit down right in the middle of the worst thing I'm going through and eat of his goodness and drink of his greatness and surround myself with him. I, I just want you to see something. My, my brother said this just a few weeks ago. He was preaching, and he said while he was preaching, he said, man, he said, it's, it's the broken pieces that make the, sh- the sharpest weapons. And that has stuck in my spirit for, for ever since I heard it because I think sometimes we, we don't like the valley because it's, it's where we're broken. We don't like the valley. It's because where we experience loss. We, we don't like the valley because it's where we experience pain. And, and God is like, no, in the valley, I'm taking those broken pieces and turning them into a sharp weapon. See, you, you, thought, you thought I was broken. You didn't realize that God was turning me into a weapon. You thought I wouldn't recover. You didn't realize that God was gonna cause me to recover and I would be sharper than I've ever been before. I would be the best version of who God created me to be. Is there anybody thankful today that God takes broken pieces and turns them into weapons? Come on, let's put our hands together and bless him because he's not going to leave me like this. You see brokenness. God sees a weapon in the valley, in the valley. And he he looks at his Ezekiel and he says, hey, uh, can these bones live? He asked him a question. And anytime God asks you a question, it's because 
It's not because he's looking for the answer. It's not, it's, it's not, I, I don't, you're not gonna say something, God be like, you know, I didn't think about it that way. <laughs> it's never gonna happen. God asked the question, because he knows the answer, but he's asking the question to, to us to see how we will answer, because how we will answer is an indicator of our faith. And I love that Ezekiel didn't go, well, God, you know, a mighty man of God full of faith and power, you know, I see, I see an army, God, I see I see an army coming together. I don't see bones, Lord. I see an army. And no, he just says, I don't know. You do. (laughs) And I think sometimes we think faith is us acting like we don't see what we see. I think sometimes we think faith is this like perfect concoction of us really believing right and us mustering up some sort of faith to, to, to really say what God wants us to say. But I think real faith just begins with this idea of God, I have no idea, only you know. Oh man, is there anybody in the room thankful today that you don't have to have all of the answers? You don't have to have all of the solutions? But you can look in faith and say, God, I don't know. That's, that's the epitome of faith is God, I have no idea, but you do. I don't know how this is gonna work out, but you do. I don't know how I'm gonna build a family, but you do. I don't know how I'm gonna be a better dad, but, but you do. I don't know how to move this church forward, God, but you do. Sometimes people are looking at you like, what's your five-year plan? And you're like, I have no earthly idea. I planned the previous five years and they didn't work out according to my plan. So I actually have given up on planning out my life and I just am looking at God today and saying, I have no idea but you do. Come on, is there anybody in the room today? You're like, I don't know, but you know. It's not an answer that lacks faith, it's the definition of faith. Why, because he had no hope in the bones. He put his confidence in the bones. Well, you know, God, I, I just believe in these bones. I, I believe these bones have what it takes. And that's where we get mixed up in Christianity is, Christianity can turn into some sort of like Tony Robbins positive, positive thing. I've been, I've been, I've been watching uh, a lot of football lately, but, and there's this commercial that comes on in all the football games, and it's like a, it's an insurance commercial, and it's like this giant Pinocchio. I don't know if you've seen this. And, and he is, he's, he's standing in front of like this group of people like in a Holiday Inn Express like, you know, conference room. And uh, just your classic kind of self-help kind of thing. And he's standing up there and he goes, in this room, I see all kinds of potential. (laughs) And he looks at this guy and goes, you have potential. And his nose start to grow. (laughs) And and if you're not careful, you'll start to to think, you know, that, that your hope is in the bones. You'll start to think that I've got potential. Oh, man, no, you're a wreck without God. You have no potential without God. But if you can go from death to life, man, your whole, the whole potential thing changes. So I'm not here today to tell you, man, believe in your bones. Believe in yourself. Have confidence in you. You have the power. No, I'm here to tell you, you have none. Put no confidence in the flesh. Your bones are worthless until the breath of God comes on them. Come on, somebody. Is there anybody today who would say, God, I have not got the answer. Only you have the answer. My hope is not in the bones. 
He said, I, I don't even, I don't know what your plans are for the bones. Don't pretend to know God's plan when you don't. <laughs> Stop saying God said all the time. God told me. No, he didn't. You just feel like so many people get out there in these God told me decisions and then because they don't want to look like total flops, false prophets, they stick with a stupid decision yes. Yes. <laughs> because God told them and they don't want to look like, well, in all reality, God never spoke to me. <laughs> We're so stupid, aren't we? We're like out here trying to make this thing work and we know God really never told it and we just wanted to do it. And like, uh, I'm just gonna stick with it because if I don't, then no, man, the best place to be in your life is like, God, I have no idea what you wanna do with my life. Because then you have no preconceived ideas about where you're supposed to go, who you're supposed to minister to, where you're supposed to live. You, you, you don't get caught. That's why I love the faith of Abraham. God says, Abraham, I want you to get up and move. He's like, where am I going? He's like, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> I just want you to move. I want you to be in a condition. Come on. We were always just like, God, I want to go where you want me to go. I want to say what you want me to say. I want to be in a position where I'm led by the Spirit of God. Come on, those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. I want to be led by the Spirit. So he says, can they live? And his answer is, I, you know. Oh, man, I love that. I love that. See, because in reality, I, I see bones. I see bones. When I look at my life and the things that God has declared that he wants to do with my life and the things that scripture has declared that he wants to do in my life, man, I see bones. Have you ever, have you ever just been like, God, are you sure you're talking to the right person? God, are you sure, like, that's me? You, you're at the right address, right? Like, you check your GPS. It could have. No, I'm, I'm at the right. I'm at the right address. Like, because these bones, I, all I see is bones. All of my, all I see is my lack of education. All I see is my lack of experience. All I see is where I came from. All I see is where I'm at, and I, I see bones and. And, and the good news is, is God doesn't. You might, but God doesn't. First Samuel 16 and 7, the Bible says that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And I think sometimes we, we think we are seers of the heart, but man, as good as you think you see the heart, you really don't see the heart the way God sees the heart. Because there are some people I have watched God use and I, I you know, I want to say, it isn't amazing, I want to say I saw it, but man, no, I didn't see it. There have been people that come up to me like now, at this point in my life, and they're like, I always knew it. I knew you'd be a preacher. No, you didn't. <laughs> you told me I was nothing. You told me I was worthless. You told me I was a brat. I was a bratty preacher's kid with a big mouth. <laughs> That's what they said about me. Oh, you got an attitude. You got problems. They saw 
what they saw. Because what they saw was real. <laughs> it was real. These are bones. God's not like, hey, you don't see bones. No, they're bones. No, what, what they saw, it was real. I was, I was a brat. I was a, I, was, I was the preacher's kid that would look at my teacher and say, hey, I know the pastor, and I'll get you fired. <laughs> like, I had a big mouth. There's, some, there's somebody going to church here today, and I'm amazed that they can even go to church here because we went to high school together, and, and, and one time... One time we got mad at each other and they were driving away and I yelled something. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, I see you driving away. They pulled their car back around and I was like, oh God, I didn't even. <laughs> and my, my, friend had, <laughs> my friend had to step up and be like, he didn't mean it, he didn't know what he's talking about, he's just running his mouth. You know Robbie, he's just like. <laughs> you know. Nobody saw this. When we announced the transition, when we announced, I was 25 years old and we announced it to our elders. I was in an elders meeting. One of them laughed. <laughs> My dad was like, we're gonna turn the church to Robbie. And uh, one of them was like, <laughs> what is he? Wait, wait, are we? This is really, this is really happening, isn't it? I mean. Just be honest, you cannot see what God sees. See, that's why you gotta be very careful judging people that are in the state they are in right now because what you see is broken, God sees as a weapon. See, you might see lack, but God sees abundance. You might see sickness, but God sees healing. Come on, you might see somebody who's broken. You might see somebody who's a failure. But God says, man, I see him as a, as a father one day. You, you, you cannot, see, this is, this is, this is how we, we, we shift out of this. It's, it's not that we're gonna see an army where God sees bones all the time. We're, we're in this flesh, so we're, a lot of times we're gonna see bones, and they're gonna be bones. But what I do is, watch this, I don't, I don't say what I see. I say what I hear. Watch him, he says, Ezekiel, prophesy to the bones. In other words, he says, say what I tell you to say. He didn't say, Ezekiel, uh, tell me how you feel about the bones. Ezekiel, describe the condition of the bones. Ezekiel, tell me what you see about the bones. He said, no, you say what I tell you to say. That's what he said, prophesy. And then he goes, and say this. This is exactly what I want you to say. See, See, for some of you, you, you saw the person that you're with or you saw your friend or you saw that person in the church and you saw them after they fell or you saw them after they were lost or you saw them in their weakness or, or you saw them when they were at their worst. But wait until you see them when God breathes on their life. See, I came this morning to announce to everybody who's dug a grave for you, for everybody who has told you you are lost, that you are hopeless, that God could never use you, that you are beyond repair. I came to announce to them that God's breath is getting ready to be breathed on you and wait till you see me after God breathes on me. Come on, is there anybody in the room today grateful? Come on, for the breath of God that can take something that looks broken, that looks unusable, that's dry and weary and worthless and breathe on it 
and bring it to life. Will you stand with me this morning? You gotta say what you see until you see what you say. I see lack, but man, I hear abundance. I see sickness, but I hear health. And, and this is not just this story. All throughout the Bible, the Bible is teaching us that we don't, we don't say what we see, we say what we hear. Prophet looked at Ahab one time, he said, hey, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. And, and then one of his servants went out and he looked at the sky and he's like, bro, uh, there's, <laughs> man, there's not even a cloud in the sky. I don't see it, but I hear it. And the Bible says that when he started to prophesy, what, what happened? He said, I heard a noise. I heard a noise. I heard some rattling in the background. Listen, whenever you hear something rattling or you hear something shaking or you hear something moving, don't get discouraged. That means God is bringing it all back together. This morning, you might not see anything changing on the outside, but I'm telling you, by, in your spirit right now, you feel something shifting on the inside. Why? Because you're hearing the bones coming back together. You're hearing that rattling sound. You're hearing something shaking. You might not see the circumstance change today, but what will change today is not what I see, but what I hear. And what I hear is what I'm gonna say. Come on, is there anybody in the room today that's gonna make up your mind, hey, I'm not gonna say what I see, but I'm going to say what I hear. God's word tells me that he is more than enough. That I have the victory. That things are coming together in my life. I didn't say things will come together. I said they are coming together. There's a sound that you've got to tune your ear into. You've got to stop being be distracted by what you see. And start leaning in your ear to the sound. Where do I hear this sound? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says, all scripture is God-breathed. You wanna hear this sound? Get into the word of God. Stop letting it be just something that decorates your coffee table or sits up in some kind of corner or bookshelf in your house to where people can see it so that they think you have a spiritual life. No, pull that thing down off of its shelf. Blow the dust off of it. And if you don't know where to start, just start at the beginning. In the beginning, God. That's what you need in your life. You need God to be the beginning of every day, of every moment, of every relationship, of every decision, of every move in your life. You need God to be the beginning. And if you get in his word, you'll start to hear him breathing in your life. You'll be like, oh man, it seems hopeless. These look like dry bones, but I hear, I hear God breathing. I hear God breathing. Whew. Another definition is this. It's to praise God specifically by singing. When I prophesy, I'm not just declaring God's word just like I am right now, but, but I, I, can, I can sing God's word. That's why one of my favorite things we do in church is when the worship team is singing, and they kind of back off the mics and the music comes down and you can hear the church together singing in unison. And as you're singing, things are rattling. Things are changing. Things are shifting. I believe that with all of my heart. Amos 3 and 8 says this. If the lion roars, who does not fear? If the lion roars, who does not fear? You know, 
if you were out in a jungle today and all of a sudden a lion came up behind you and just roared into your ear, you would not calmly turn around and be like, hello, lion. I'm so glad you're here today. Like, no, if that happened, you would lose control over all of your capacities. You would run or you would curl up in a ball for fear. You would. Why? Because you just can't help it. It's our response. When the lion roars, we're afraid. It's the same way. When we open up our mouth and declare the word of God, our circumstances start to lose all their power in our life. Come on, when we open up our mouth and declare the word of God, what circumstance will not be afraid? What doesn't bow its knee to the name of Jesus? What has more authority than the word of God in your life? What are you, what are you afraid of that God has already conquered in your life? When the lion, let the lion roar. Let the word of God roar in your life. Come on, let it, let it roar. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for this opportunity to be here in your house today. I'm asking everybody, if you would, bow your head, close your eyes with me today. If you're here today and you would say, Rob, I feel disconnected from, from God. I feel like I don't have a relationship with him today. Maybe you've never had a relationship with him and today's the day you wanna say yes to relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you feel like you've been away from God and you find yourself back in God's house and you're like, I wanna be close to him again. If that's you, I'm gonna count to three and when I do, I just want you to throw your hand up in the air today and we're gonna believe that in this moment, God supernaturally is gonna draw near to you. You're gonna feel his closeness no matter where you find your life today and he's gonna do something radical in it. If that's you, one, two, three, throw your hand up in the air. That's me, I feel like I've, I've lost connect with God. I feel like I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. I see you. Anybody else, I see you. I see y'all back there, I see you. Ma'am, I see you. Anyone else? I see you, sir. Awesome, awesome. Calvary, can we pray this prayer together with those that raise their hand? Let's pray this. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me, that you gave me your life. I give you my life. Take it all, have your way. Use me for your glory. I repent of my sins. I confess you as Lord. Thank you for coming close. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, come on. So many people rededicating, making a decision for Jesus. That's awesome. That's awesome. Come on, how about we make this declaration together and we're gonna count to three and make this declaration that it's coming together. I believe it. It's coming together. One, two, three, say that with me. It's coming together. Let's say that again. It's coming together. One more time. It's coming together. Come on, throw your hands up in the air if you believe that today. God, I hear it. I might not see it, but I hear it. So I say what I hear until I see what I say. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.